I'm here with Father Sebastian White, a Dominican priest, uh, East Coast Province, uh, editor-in-chief of the Magnificat. And um, uh, Magnificat you know, has had such an impact, influence. I see it all over the place. I use it in preaching a lot of times. Um, so it's just a great work you all are doing, like so many others, uh, Dominican efforts going on today. But how did it come to be that you're editor-in-chief, you're a relatively Thank young you. priest? Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Father. I'm very happy to be here. It's a great joy for, for me to be on uh, down at ADWTN. i kind of stunned, actually, to be honest with you. I've known of it, and it was very influential in my life for, for many years, and particularly uh, at a particular moment. Um, but I, uh, yeah, so I had entered the Dominicans in 2008, and then... Um, studied, uh, our novitiate was in Cincinnati, studied in Washington um, at the Dominican House of Studies and was ordained in 2014. And when I was ordained, I was assigned to be the chaplain at NYU. So I was working uh, as the chaplain um, for four years, uh, living at our parish in Greenwich Village and helping out, um, just working as a priest there in, in New York and with the students at New York University. And um, towards the end of my time there, um, Father Peter John Cameron, who was the founding editor, the first editor-in-chief of Magnificat, and he had been a, he's, a, he's a Dominican of our province. So after 20 years of leading it and, edit, and being the editor, he decided it was the, the right moment for him to, to hand it on. And the, um, the publisher asked him to recommend a, another Dominican asked him to suggest somebody and um, he, he suggested me. So um, at that point, then it was a, you know, I got our, my provincial superior um, uh, agreed to that and uh, uh, met, met with the publisher as well. And so then at that point in the summer of 2018, I um, began uh, and succeeded uh, Father, Father Cameron to, to become the editor. I mean, we were working ahead, so that really the, the, um, in terms of the publication, it was the January issue of 2019 was the was the first right. issue for me. And so you were already working with Father Cameron. Well, I knew him. I I just knew him from being a fellow friar, you know, a fellow uh -huh. Dominican. Um, I didn't really have any involvement in Magnificat other than you know occasionally writing to him and you know telling him I enjoyed something or I, I would occasionally write to him if I came across a book that I thought he would like you know, mm. or. I would I would send it to him, you know, um, but uh, I didn't have any really. I wasn't involved in in his, that the the work at all, um, but uh, it was it was really he he sensed that I would I would be able to do the job well, and yeah. so. And I was so. surprised how big you. You said like sixteen people work. For yeah, or 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 more really. I mean, there's yes, yeah, sixteen or eighteen. I think in the in the office and in. Um, in in the united states and then there's there's a team in in france as well um because the the, the it's really a, it was it began in france by dominicans um no no part of a a, a layman mr oh. pierre marie dumont is his name he's a married man his 12 children um and he was working in a in a in a french publishing agency and um which has has uh it's kind of run by a catholic family but um, has you know it's a big company, many different d divisions and um, departments, and, and he um, he in the early '90s envisioned this 
way for, for Catholic families to be able to pray and um, to have a, a, you know, something that puts everything together for them, you know. Um, and it did very, he founded that in, um, I think, December of 1992, I believe. 92 or 93 was the first issue in France. And then um, it did very well. So in December of 1998, the U.S. edition launched. And when he he had got, when he was thinking of launching the U.S. edition, he had been introduced. He was introduced to uh, a Dominican of our province. He was introduced to Father Cameron. Okay. So that's how he be and he became the first editor. Now, you how similar are the two? Ver I mean, one's in French, but is it the same meditation? Or? No. So that, that's right. That's a question I get a lot. That's a good question. Um, people ask people ask that often. I mean, obviously the mass readings. You know, that's going to be. The, the same, just in different different languages. Um, the cover um, is the cover is nearly always the same, and so the commentary. Um, most of the time, it has been Mr. Dumont himself writing a brief commentary on the cover art. You know, which is such a that's the first thing people see of Magnificat. It's beautiful, um, and for many years he's written he's written a little commentary on the back page. Um, that uh, explains what's what's going on in the, in the cover art, so that that will be um, translated for our issue as well. Um, but otherwise, the meditations, I you know, the, I, I choose those, and we have art, we have essayists and uh, people who write articles and essays each month. You know, Anthony Esselin writes a um, a lengthy column every month. Heather King, uh, another one. Um, John Gennaro, so. Teaches at Christendom. He um, writes great conversion stories. That's mm -hmm. a good, good, very popular one as well. Does Jennifer um, Hubbard still write? She does. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's in there several times a year. Yeah. 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 And what are her? Because she's the mother of one of the children that were killed at in Newtown. Newtown. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah so yeah. she's she writes very, very movingly about that um, about that experience and. So, you know, there are themes that people, that really resonates with, 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 with people. We hear from readers about her, about her columns, you know, yeah. just surrender, trust, you know, uh -huh. offering your, your suffering, mm -hmm. you know, um, so. And Heather King's so great. I read her book and I've listened to her on yeah. interviews, one of her books on yeah. uh, Redeemed or something. I think that's she, right. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. And yeah. I just, she's so great because she's a recovered alcoholic, and she, she, you know, she brings that great language and themes into it. Mm -hmm. I think that really speaks to modern culture. Yeah, yeah, she's good, and um, and her her column too is is really is great. It exposes people to um, ins inspirational lives, you know, that aren't canon, not people who aren't canonized saints. So her her feature is called Credible Witnesses. Mm -hmm. And um, so it could be somebody who was involved in art or, um, you know, somebody who founded a, an order, you know, um, but is less known, you know, uh -huh. so, yeah. Have you ever had Meg Hunter Kilmer write for you? She, yeah, yeah. she's, she's written for um, the uh, Advent Companion and Lenten Companions, a special little uh, publication that has come out um, during you know for the season of that it's like you know the little 
uh, kind of a little booklet mm. that has a meditation for each day for Advent and Lent. Mm. Um, and that, that gives an opportunity for, those are all written um, by, by people f for, for that publication, whereas the meditations, the meditation of the day in Magnificat, really, they, those all come from a published book. Mm. So people aren't writing those, you know. Right, um, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I've, I've met her too. Yeah, we just had her on the show, I, and I was reading uh, reading her book on the saints, and uh, she is a good writer. And she's a very good writer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She knows I how thought to, the same. Yeah. yeah, she knows how to do the emphasis, what to emphasize. Yeah. Her speaking's like yeah. that too, you know. Yeah, yeah. I met her once. Um, I had I had read a number of her columns for Alatea because um, she would write about saints mm -hmm. for for Alatea, yeah. and then one day. Um, I came out of the sacristy for mass at the Catholic Center at NYU um, one afternoon, and I just you know began mass and I looked into it and I thought that person looks like Meg Hunter Kilmer. <laughs> I just recommended it from the little picture that was on. Yeah. The, and uh, and after so after mass, the, one of the focus missionaries who had been serving mass, I said, "Go, can you, can you go see if that's Meg?" Uh -huh. and he, he said, "Yeah, that's that's she." Yeah. So. So we ended up uh, having being able to meet and speak a bit, and it was it was she was doing I think a theology on tap in the archdiocese, and, yeah. Um, but she does have a good way of really um, speaking directly to people, you know. Um, she said she she told the the group that she was speaking to, um, you know, here in New York there are many many different masses every day. She said, so if you're not going to daily mass. It's because you don't want to. <laughs> she said, you, you don't have to go to daily mass, right? It, it's, that's, you're not you're not obligated to go to daily mass. But right. she said, but don't, don't don't pretend like it's because you don't have the opportunity. Uh, I just thought that was a that was just really you know very yeah. funny. So, and what what's the feedback you get on it? The people that have the Magnificat and. Um, yeah, we we get a lot of uh, emails and letters. Um, so a lot of a lot of just touching, very kind of kind of simple and touching remarks about how you know it, it you know they carry it with them throughout the day, or you know we get kind of humorous ones like I I I, I it, it drives me crazy when I misplace my Magnificat. I you know I left it in the church and I went back and it was gone. So you know I just hope somebody found it. And so people often say they feel lost without it. You know, mm. um, so we get a lot of just uh, you know gratitude. Um, and then, um, yeah, really, it, it's like, a, but what I found is people think of Magnificat as a kind of com companion for their, it's something that's very intimate to them because they, they're using it in a way, um, they're using it for a part of their life or that really that's something that's central to their life. You know, it's with them in their most uh, um, delicate and kind of sensitive moments. It's with them when they're at mass. Um, you know, it's like a friend. Huh? Yeah, it's like a friend, right? That's right. Uh, and and so that's I try to emphasize that in what I write. Um, you know that that and in the little messages that I write that you know we we pray for one another also um, and to encourage us to pray for other people who are who are reading Magnificat and that we're in a, in a way we're kind of united in this in this. Um, through this publication, so. Now I've got a friend of mine that uses that when she goes to mass and she 
would write down like things like maybe the priest said at the mass the homily and their own thoughts mm -hmm. and, and made it like meditation points and i was i was you know she let me read some of the things and it was uh i thought it was just so powerful i know there's something about just do it yeah right in the margins and just sure yeah there was something about oh, yeah. you know you got it there uh just do it you know and, and just uh engage you know and, mm -hmm. and write a thought down and uh yeah that's yeah, yeah. no you shouldn't i mean you get a you get a fresh copy in a few weeks you know yeah. so it's not like you you know you're marking up marking right. up this book that you're gonna have to so um yeah that's the new york in you yeah. that's, that's, right. That. that's right so yeah but you uh but that we should also say you have like the Christian prayer, right? The morning prayer and the evening prayer in there. That's right. So that's right. So there's the meditation of the day. That's a big. That's a big feature, you know, um, and because because the mass is so is so significant. Um, and then there's a morning prayer and an evening prayer, um, uh, so that people can can pray, you know, in 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 a in a in a, in a structure that's kind of inspired by the liturgy of the hours. Mm -hmm. It's not not it's not the liturgy of the hours, but that you know, the most important thing is for people to is to pray, you know, yeah. and and so it makes it easy and straightforward for people to pray um, in in a way that mirrors the, the the pattern of the church in the morning, in the afternoon, or in the evening, and then uh, again, there's an there's an order for night prayer. Um, so so that's that's helpful too to just take a few minutes and punctuate your day. Um, and then the then the special feet the articles you know they're written yeah. by different by different authors and then there's always an art um, feature besides the cover commentary that Mr. Dumont usually writes um, there's also a, a special article in the back on the kind of colored glossy pages um, in in the back of the magazine that is a a more extended treatment of like the 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 history the you know what's going on in a, in, a, in a piece of art. And, Usually written by somebody who has some some background as a as an art teacher, an art historian, or yeah, yeah like um, Elizabeth Lowe. Yeah, she, yeah, that's right. She writes, yeah. and um, Dennis McNamara mm -hmm. uh, is another one. He, he teaches at Benedictine. Um, is yeah. he the architecture guy? Yeah, he's okay. the. That's right. He's an yeah. yeah, he's and he's great too. Yeah, yeah. I, I know him personally as well. It's, yeah. Um, so, but there's several. We have several people who write those those art essays, and they're they're great. And, you know, it's, I, I try to think of this sometimes with the Liturgy of the Hours, that you're, you're praying with the church. You know, it's a fulfillment of Christ's command to pray unceasingly in the church. You know, religious and priests are bound to, to pray this. Mm -hmm. And, and yes, it can be tedious, no doubt, that you can check out as you're reading it. But, uh, yeah, sometimes, like, when I'm traveling and I'm by myself, I'll sense the power of uniting myself with the church's prayer. Mm. It That's just right. feels like very strengthening. That's right. That I'm not doing this by myself. This is, you know, because we, you know, people sometimes, you know, they question well, all this ritual and all these formulas and kind of rigid prayer, but it allows the church to pray together. Mm -hmm. And even though they're not physically together, but we can unite with other people praying in the office. And, mm -hmm. and That's right. And if you've ever, I mean, we were speaking earlier, but. We, that so I grew up in a in an evangelical Protestant church um, as a as a child, and if you have exposure to to communities or or groups that you know do a lot of you know kind of spontaneous or uh, spontaneous prayer, it's it's not all 
completely original. You know, right. I mean, whatever we, whatever claims we might think that you know, if you're you're using this, you know, Catholics use this scripted mm -hmm. prayer all the time. So, well, I mean, if you hear somebody pray, uh, you know, spontaneously, a lot of times it's the same turns of phrase. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, you, there's only it, it's it's that's just kind of human. We yeah. you know we, yeah. we reach for things that are familiar right. when we're um, yeah. when we're in those in those moments and it, that makes sense. So it's not it's not a bad thing to you know yeah. nobody, nobody I would just say you know no, if you were if you were trying to say something sweet or romantic to somebody you loved you know you're trying someone you were dating you know I don't think she would object if you were if you were quoting Shakespeare right you know? right. Um, right so I realize that about yeah. preaching yeah. too and. You know that it's oftentimes like maybe the pre the, the the homily that goes well is often form of material that I'm kind of piecing together sure. phrases yeah. and stuff mm -hmm. I've used before. Yeah. I guess somebody listening might think of like you know Martin Luther King. I have a dream. You know he he'd used that phrase and that theme mm -hmm. before that. Yeah. You know and he, yeah. and it's one of those powerful speeches in American history. You know and it's so anyway. And know, also yeah. I mean people. It's, I mean, it's, as preachers, you know, as much as you'd love to think, you know, people kind of hang on every word and never forget every, anything you, you say, you know, every, everything you say is so remarkable that, that they remember every word, you know. So, so, no, I think, I think, you know, people, people need to be encouraged right. with the, the truths, you know. And yeah. so, you know, you can talk about the, the heart of Christ, you can talk about the Holy Eucharist, you can speak about um things that things that have touched you deeply and that you speak about frequently um you know it that can still be fresh even if right. they're common themes to what you preach about that's i think that's many great saints right. have done that you know what is the circulation of magnificat it's close to three hundred thousand for oh. the u.s edition yeah mm -hmm. it's about about three hundred thousand so you know it's a big that's a big group you know it's yeah. it's a lot of a lot of people reading every month now you moved to new york just before covid well i so now i was in uh i was in i was in new york Already. yeah yeah i was in new york before but so i remember the pre-covid and new york which you know and um the, the biggest difference i notice now to be honest is um the number of closed storefronts you know empty storefronts because so many businesses closed right. but otherwise people are out you know central park is full of full of life and full of people and um so you know people are are, are out and beginning to go back to, to their offices and walking you know a lot of people walking on the, on the sidewalks every day and so. you you take take walks in central park just to, yeah sometimes yeah, yeah. yeah i mostly so i have a rhythm that some, sometimes I've written about this too um, you know to go to the office of Magnificat I walk out the door of the Priory uh, Dominican Priory on, on Lexington Avenue and walk one block over to Park Avenue and so I walk south on Park Avenue to Grand Central Station and I take a train north so it's a reverse commute so it's nice it's kind of empty and quiet mm -hmm. and I take the train north along the Hudson River for about a half an hour and then um, in Yonkers, New York, is the where the offices oh, of Magnificat are. Yeah. Well, they're actually they began at Dunwoody, um, and then moved as the company grew. They moved to office space, oh. um, and that's near the train station. Oh. Okay. So yeah, but in in same in Yonkers as in well. Yonkers, yeah. So, yeah.
and um yeah it's always struck me as a beautiful park you know the the and just i, I read about some of the design of it you know even the, the trees they selected the place that's right you know, yeah it was carefully it was well it was out. that's yeah. right yeah and yeah. it's a it's i mean it's i mean almost a miracle that that it's just been protected that somebody didn't at some point decide to develop it you know yeah it's 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 a big piece of property and it i think it's a it's a great relief for a lot of new yorkers you know it's just to to, to be around it's got big, you know fields big fields i mean so you go in certain parts of central park you'd hardly know you were in, in the middle of a city you know? right right so i was watching this is a documentary we're just going to go free yeah. form here on this interview <laughs> but it, it like it was made i think just after nine well maybe like oh five and and it's just great is know, this the several parts on new york yeah yeah that's by rick burns yeah um that's he's the brother of ken burns the okay. famous the famous uh documentary maker and that's a really interesting very well done documentary yeah. about new york yeah and they they had a section on yeah. the park that's right yeah, yeah. and it was yeah. it's like this effort to bring you know be able to bring the people together in a peaceful way and de-stress and everything. it was just so beautiful they talked about that statue of the lady of mm -hmm. the angel in the fountain mm -hmm. i think it was taken i guess it's john's gospel where they the angel stirs the water before and it's the first one jumps in gets yes healed, you know? that's right yeah i think that was the idea behind it and um like these are be the healing waters of a park you know to get respite from this big that's that's wonderful yeah, yeah. and and then too it was an issue of because she didn't have like the angel didn't have like super formal like her 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 dress didn't go quite down to her ankles or something or something like that and so there was some protest you know but it was more of a peasant dress hmm. and um and i thought even that was beautiful it's kind of a beautiful image of our lady of being close it was an angel yeah. but it, i thought of our lady being close to the people oh good yeah yeah, it's 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 great. Yeah, the 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 park is 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 great. It's as I say, it's very close to where I live. And but just the the number of churches in New York. There's there's so many beautiful churches. Yeah. Um, so and saints too. I mean, Saint Elizabeth Ann Seton, her home, you know, her childhood mm -hmm. family home is now it was a little Catholic chapel down on the southern end of the island. And then and Wall you have, Street. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then um, where it's cl close to where you can get the ferry to go to the Statue of Liberty. Um, yeah. um, and then further up north, you can go to the shrine of Mother Cabrini. Which her mm -hmm. body is there. You know, St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. Um, and there's churches that are associated with Dorothy Day. Mm. You know, um, so a lot, of, a lot of wonderful Fulton Sheen. You know. Yeah. Now, you're from Maine, Waterville. Yes. Waterville, yeah. Maine. Yep. Yeah. So that's a smaller town, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and you said about. I mean, we have a Walmart, you know, so <laughs> I mean, it's not we're on the map in some way. So those are southern states. Starbucks. It. <laughs> we have a Walmart and a Starbucks. So. Uh, in Tuscaloosa, so. I just laughed. One of the national championships, University of Alabama, Tuscaloosa won. And there's a day they wanted the, the people to enjoy it of Tuscaloosa. They, they bring it to the Walmart parking lot, you know, and put it on some kind of stand yeah. there. But it just, I just, my first thought was like the temple of the Old Testament. Like yes. It's the center of culture and commerce. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but um, 
So your story is you were you're baptized Catholic, but raised. Uh, That's right. Protestant. Yep, my parents were were married in the church. My father's part Lebanese, and my mother's French Canadian, so that they had Catholic background and um, were married in the church and were were taking committing to taking their faith seriously. It was they as they married and. Um, I have an older sister. She was baptized in the in the Catholic Church as well, so so both of us were. But then shortly after I was baptized, just through some of their friendships and um, other involvement that that they had in Bible studies, my parents got kind of swept into a Protestant community and a Protestant church. Um, so that's I was raised without any conscious um, involvement, no conscious experience or memory of the of the Catholic faith. Um, so originally, initially, it was going to an Assemblies of God church, um, which was in the Pentecostal wing of, of Protestantism, um, and it was a, it was a new church. It had been founded by uh, by I think, I think a, who, a man who was probably a very good man, or probably a very holy man, um, and so my my parents were part of this this church as it was being built, really, um, and. That's how I was raised. That's how we, we I grew up. And then um, about the time I was in high school, he retired, the founding pastor retired. And then um, it just went through a series of changes of different pastors and not getting the right, the one that would kind of didn't each, they went through a few that didn't quite work. And and then the church began to, to become really heavily focused on charismatic experiences and kind of like almost like pressuring that and so um, it lost a lot of people a lot of people left um, and uh, then we went to an e-free evangelical free denomination um, which again was a very intelligent good good place for the, at that time and um, and then uh, I went off to college so I didn't I wasn't in that one for very long before I went off to college and I uh, went to Gordon College in Massachusetts um, and then was faced for the first time with the question like where am I going to go to church which am I going to go to the dominant denomination that my parents that we were most recently going to should I go to a different one yeah. um, and to be frank I mean it was a lot of weeks it was about as scientific as who 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 had a car and where you know I could get a ride to you know so um, churches in the area would often sponsor you know rides for, for students from Gordon and the college had some vans that would go to different you know major uh, churches in the area um, so I went to several different places and but by the time I was finishing my time there um, I had discovered uh, that uh, a, a kind of conservative Episcopal Church kind of high Anglican high Episcopal Church and um, that was really the uh, what introduced me to a liturgical worship. Um, I had not been raised with any animosity towards the Catholic Church. So when I discovered the Episcopal Church, I was I was kind of discovering it myself for a liturgical form of worship for the first time and um, was really moved by that experience. And so then began to read and to look into more like the history of the church and um, and then it didn't take me long. I didn't, I didn't sort of stay in the Episcopal Church for that long. Eventually, mm -hmm. I decided to go through RCIA in the, in the local Catholic parish in, in Beverly, Massachusetts, oh. and then um, was confirmed at Easter in 2004. 
Did your parents come back to? The they did, home? yeah. So, the, and they were actually reconciled to the church by the time I was confirmed because all they had basically all they had to do was go to confession. Mm -hmm. You know, right. um, they had already you know met, met, done gone through all their sacraments, of course, when they were younger. Um, so, you know, at first they were surprised when I was getting more serious about it and thinking about it. But as I began to kind of talk to them more and share with them what I was reading and learning, they, they realized very quick. It was a great grace. They just realized how much they had not understood when they were younger, mm -hmm. you know, and so they returned to the Catholic faith. Mm. And then how did you discern a call to the Dominicans? Um, at the, I was living after college. I moved to Austria for four years. Um, I was a graduate student at the International Theological Institute, the ITI, for two years. Did and you then, study at Steubenville at all? I, mean, I didn't. Uh, I didn't study at Steubenville. Uh -huh. No. I but then I worked for Franciscan University's abro study abroad program for okay. two years, and um, that's that's during those. So I had four years in this small town in Austria total. And that's where I, I met a Dominican. Um, he had he was a, a German Dominican, and he was the prior of the community in Vienna. Um, and he would come out a couple of days a week and teach classes for the ITI, the, the graduate program that I was part mm -hmm. of. And so I got to know him very well. And then when one summer when I, I needed to study German better, I was beginning to the, the job for Franciscan, and I asked him if I could live in the priory. <laughs> for the summer to study German. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know why it occurred to me that that, w I don't know why that occurred to me as an appropriate question to ask him, <laughs> you know, like that's yeah. not usual. You know? Right. right. Um, but I, maybe it was a grace, you know, because I didn't understand that that was not common, you know, uh -huh. but he said, well, I will, I will speak to my community. I will ask the community. And, and uh, that's, he said, he came back to me, he said that, you know, I spoke to the brethren and they said, Yes, it's okay. <laughs> so I studied German for quite a bit one summer, and by by the end of the summer, I I, I had a vocation. <laughs> mm. I think um, I stayed in Austria another another couple of years, but um, began to become very close with that community. And you, so you got a, a master's or a doctorate? That's right. Yeah, I got a master's degree while I was while I was studying. You'd completed an economics degree in yep, Maine. Yeah, okay. I had gone to I had gone to Gordon College in Massachusetts and oh. um, studied economics. That's right. And so. did was that where Waldstein taught? He was teaching in Agaming. That's right. Yeah. So oh. I had him for courses. I, I remain close to his family. He's a he's a very good man. Really, they have, that's a wonderful family. Um, yeah. Because of course he's got a new book on the theology of the body. Yeah. Um, very big. <laughs> yeah. A long book. A, a very. A very thorough examination of, of the of the theology of the body, and you know that was a that was a that getting that new translation out, you know that that edition that he did and that with the long introduction, um, that that was he was he was working on that and fit, and kind of while I was there while I was his student, you know it was it was great. Yeah, and then I ordered that new book he's got. That that's his own writings, right? That's right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. this is yeah. his own. That's, yeah. So the the other one was a was a kind of um, pr proper a corrected a a kind of official translation mm. of the theology of the body because as as I recall the 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 first edition of the theology of the body, um, whenever that was published in the nineties, I guess that it basically each because they were Wednesday audiences. 
they were mm -hmm. translated by different people each mm -hmm. week. You know, it was like in the okay. Osservatore Romano or something. Right. I think if I remember this correctly, that's there were faults yeah. with the translation because it wasn't done as a whole right. work. Right. And so they discovered that there were inconsistencies yeah. in how they how they approach different concepts yeah. linguistically. And so Waldstein got, you know, the manuscript that Boitiwa had brought with him to Rome, you know, because that was based on things that he had been writing and working mm -hmm. on even before he was the Pope, you mm -hmm. know, all of his involvement with those married couples mm -hmm. that he did in Poland. And so he worked with some, some Polish people and um, Waldstein, uh, Michael Waldstein worked with other scholars and, and but produced this really kind of, so to say, magisterial translation of it um, with great attention to detail. And he and 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 um, Professor Waldstein also wrote a long introduction, um, very philosophical introduction to that work. Yeah. But now this, like you said, this new book is is really it's his own lengthy analysis yeah. of the theology of the body. I, I read that introduction and and I just like blew my doors off. I was like, whoa, is this, you know, cause he was saying, this is what it's about. You know, this is the purpose of it. And it's like, I never quite heard it put that way. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You hear like a lot of popular yeah. people that speak That's on right. it and yeah. you know, it's great. But he like brought a whole new level, I thought to it. Oh yeah. He's like the definitive, I think, interpreter of it. <laughs> That's right, yeah, yeah. Somebody, um, he was just, I, I wasn't able to be there. I was away on retreat, but he spoke recently at the um, the New York Encounter, you know, which is the big annual um, gathering from Community and Liberation, mm -hmm. CL, okay. Monsignor Giussani's mm -hmm. group. And um, Dr. Waldstein spoke at that. And I, I heard from somebody that went and she, she said it was just, it was amazing. She, yeah. she said it was really wonderful. Yeah. So you had courses. Yeah. Under <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. I knew, yeah. knew him very well and still, yeah. still in touch with him and his family. And their son is a... Um, Cistercian monk and a priest mm. in Vienna okay. Okay. at Heiligenkreuz. Um, but he's and, back and in the United States, right? Or Dr. Walsh yeah, is in yeah. the United States. Okay. Yeah, he teaches at Franciscan University. Oh, he does. Okay. And then, so you you got like an STL or something? I did that. The STL yeah. was from after I joined the Dominicans. That's right. That's from the Dominican House of Studies. But in oh. in Gaming, I was a layman. You know, I hadn't mm -hmm. yet just to become a Dominican. So I. Um, the degree I got is the MTS, a Master of Theological Studies. Mm, so, okay. Yeah. Did you work, work with Mary Healy at all over there? I I know her a, uh, a bit, you know, yeah. and I've met her. I've met her several times. Um, I uh, the the I know the family well. Um, her brother Nick Healy mm -hmm. is at the JP two Institute. Mm -hmm. I know him and his family very well. They were some of the first people I met when I entered the church in 2004. Um, mm. And they were, they, he and his wife Marushka um, were just beginning their family and they were in Gaming and they welcomed me and really made, they actually, to be honest with you, they, they uh, kind of, they were the, the it, they welcomed me to Gaming and made me feel at home in a way that was, you know, right. like I could not have, asked for you know? right, right. Um, and so I, I still am close to them and their sister Nick and Mary's other sister Jennifer Healy um, was in Gaming for many years working for the LCI 
that language and catechetical institute. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, of. which okay, taught, Jennifer. Yeah, which taught teaches which English and and theology to Eastern Europeans yeah, and Asians. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is a very great institute as well. Jenny's now Jennifer's now back in the United States and she works for the USCCB. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. yeah it's a great program I, to bring this all together yeah. <laughs> i did like a summer at steubenville and i met with those students so that program you just mentioned is yeah it's about training catechists here to go back to these former eastern that's Bloc right. countries yeah. Yeah. To, so that, yeah that's right that's right and i Ma was, mary healy mary healy is a scripture scholar as well oh, so you oh, know, right, that's right. And so she you she um she, I, I put, I use her, some of her books in Magnificat from time to and time. And she's the sister. Of, and she's the sister. Oh, I didn't right. realize yeah. that. She teaches at Sacred Heart. In yeah, yeah. Because we interviewed Jennifer years ago about the program. But then I was really touched as a student meeting like a handful of these students that were like my age. I did, you were doing, I was doing some philosophy at Steubenville before studying for the priesthood. So I was studying with a guy from, or a girl from Poland and Lithuania mm -hmm. and, Albania, Croatia, and um, probably other places, but I, they were around my age, and they had all grown up in a persecuted church, mm -hmm. and it was just fascinating. It was just one of the most powerful experiences of my life, really. I, I grew up in North Alabama. You know, there's no real Catholic culture or anything, mm -hmm. but to hear like their experiences and their faith and stuff, it was really, it was just great. It was a great experience. Yeah, it, it, my, when I so when I got to Gaming, mm -hmm. my roommate was from Belarus. Uh -huh. My uh, he had been an LCI student before, um, so that, that, that the program that you're talking about mm -hmm. would would off, as, as people progressed in English and got enough background in in Catholic kind of catechesis, basically, right. then sometimes they would be able to be accepted, or, or and they would do a further degree at the at the international at the Theology Institute that that was okay. there. So my roommate was from Belarus. Uh -huh. um, there were the, my Latin teacher was Romanian. Uh -huh. um, I had another teach professor that was Lithuanian, right. German, Dominican. Right. We had Ukrainian. There was a Ukrainian priest and um, Byzantine liturgy every day. Yeah. yeah, Catholic mass every day, Roman Catholic mass every day, um, and yeah, there was Slovak, Slovakian. Uh, students as well it was it was amazing you know? yeah yeah just universal church and you know persecuted church people coming out of like albania i think the church was completely mm -hmm. suppressed and they had a woman from there and uh, that's right yeah so it was incredible so but you went on to get a, a degree in theology from the house of studies that's right okay. yep and, Yep. So after the novitiate, and um, I spent five years in in Washington, um, studying theology, philosophy, and theology. And so when I was ordained in 2014, I was finishing the the licentiate, the STL. Okay. And you, and you, I, I you were a big reader. I guess you love to yes, read. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Love, love to read, and um, you know, I have you know, some, some background in, in, in writing and editing. Uh, and, and, uh, so that, that's kind of helped for the work that I do at, in Magnificat. But that, the, yeah. so in my office, I have four, four good, good sized bookshelves of, of books that, you know, I use, uh, I'm, con use, I'm constantly getting new books too, as, as they come out to, to um, 
to use for the meditations. Right. Yeah. And you can get enough authors from the United States you know, to... Yeah, yeah. yep, mm-hmm. yep, yep. And have you, you work closely with Heather King? Have you... I've met, we've met a few times and yeah, yeah, she's come to New York for different things and um, we've spoken on the phone and yeah, we we correspond as, you know, as the, um, as we, you know, shape the list of topics for the new year. Yeah. 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 So I I work with all the different authors for uh, coming up with the the ideas for that, but they do a great job. Yeah. And what is the combination of like prayer, spirituality, brilliance and just a grinding writer kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Well, if you read if you if you read books about writing, for example, um, you know, by but you know books by people who you know write guides on writing or you know one one of my favorites is by William Zinser. It's called On Writing Well. It's it's very famous. It's very enjoyable to read. Uh, um, but you know, he really makes the point. Writing writing is is work you know it just requires effort it requires discipline it's you know helpful if you set aside particular times to to just write and a lot of people even novelists you know famous famous writers will often say they just they just wrote they tried to write like a certain number of words each day or they would write for a certain number of hours each day um so that's there's part there's a discipline to it um you know, and then it is a spiritual, Magnificat is a spiritual work. It's not just journalism, you know, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not a, it's, it's not a novel, you know. Yeah. So, um, it also is something that I try to approach uh, with a sensitivity to, 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 as a work of prayer, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I think of it, you know, I do, I am conscious as I'm choosing meditations, like, is this something that will nourish and will it be understandable and will it nourish the the average reader the average person right, you know right. um so if it's too dense or too too complicated or right. theological it's it's going to be hard to comprehend you know or, right and if it's not if it doesn't have enough substance then it you know it could be disappointing you know yeah so that's it's, i'm kind of constantly trying to evaluate you know the suitability of a text for um, a connection to the gospel for the day, um, we always if there's a saint who's got writings, we always I always I always mm-hmm. try to use that that person's writings on that you yeah. know Saint Augustine or yeah um, say yeah and there, there's something about the yeah that I, yeah I guess it's always kind of mysterious to me like there's yeah you know, there's, there's the rules of writing and hard mm-hmm. work and all that and there's also just that kind of burst of insight you know and i think like in faith it's maybe like your experience of this point you know mm-hmm. and they have a guy that just retired from here he's on the grounds crew and he's a devout baptist and he would tell me would bump into him outside and he'd tell me what his pastor was preaching on and he would kind of go into his own thoughts on it and it was always so striking because it was always in a language as a catholic you know i'm not reading an African-American Baptist trio style. Right, and, right. Uh, but it just rang true because he was saying something from his experience. He's putting it in his own words. That's right. You know, and it just had a pop to it. It had a movement to it. And um, Yeah, that's, yeah. I, 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 that's right. And I think, um, you know, uh, writing is communication. 
preaching is communication. You know, one of the there's a funny funny line Zin, uh, William Zinser in this book that I was mentioning on writing well. He he says you know m- m- many people he, he's trying to explain why so many we don't have trouble communicating with each other. If somebody asks you what you think about something, and you sat down with them, you would yeah. you would you would speak freely, right? Mm-hmm. But then he says whenever people sit down to write, they sit down to commit an act of literature, <laughs> and <laughs> and and then what comes out is just like this pompous, you know, kind of dry sounding like. Who is did a human being communicate this? Like, so, 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 I, th- I always I always remember that line. You, when when we sit when some most people when they sit down to write sit down to commit an act of literature. It says no, don't try to don't try to you know compose the next great um, yeah. the next yeah. great uh, essay. You know, just yeah. communicate what you know what yeah. you believe in and what you yeah. think someone would needs to hear. Yeah. Um, and similarly with preaching, it's like I, you know, if I try to sound like Fulton Sheen, I, I'll I'll sound ridiculous. You know? Right. right. Um, so I just think, what is it? How has the Lord put something upon my heart? How has the Lord touched touched me with something that I feel is important to communicate about His love and our life? Mm-hmm. And speak like you're gonna speak to real people. You know? Yeah. Yeah, because like yeah, when I was going to ask you about the link to writing and preaching because it does seem like it's the mo- one of the maybe the most common way we exchange information is just talking to one another. That's right. You know. Yeah. So, um, I I used to listen to like This American Life. You sure. Know, yeah. Glass. Yeah. I I don't know if the show's really gone off the rails or not, but but I remember he did a series of talks on how to produce this kind of show, and it the show could be brilliant at times and he he played a clip of him as an early npr reporter it was some report on grain prices and something and it's like this really complicated convoluted kind of you didn't know what he just said he played the clip comes back and just said something like huh you know what did i you know he's saying that just say it simply you know what are you trying to say and uh and keep that the focus and uh and sometimes I do that with preaching. I'm like, I'll just get out there. This is the main point. And just like, <laughs> throw it out there. I don't know what I'm going to do for the next 10 minutes, but this is the main point. <laughs> and uh, just get to it in some sense. I mean, I don't know. Not to lose sight, I guess. Mm-hmm. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But, and, um, any other uh, experiences now? You've been a Dominican for a little bit. Uh, yep. Now uh, I suppose close, almost 14 years now. Yeah, because I entered in 2008. Um, so, and I, I very feel very blessed and grateful to for the call. And um, you know, all you never. It's it's hard to predict the way your life goes. You know, God yeah. leads you and. Yeah. Um, and so when I when I was confirmed in 2004, um, you know, and around that time somebody handed me a copy of Magnificat. I thought mm. this is this is really neat. I said this is beautiful. <laughs> and also to be to be, I'm, I'm totally honest with you. Around that same time, I, I was watching EWTN, and it oh. was it was so so wonderful. I have a very distinct memory of this little clip that would be on the on the tel- on the EWTN television. Of like this high uh, um, kind of whether it was polyphony or sort of this high singing and a, an incense thurible 
swinging and smoke. And I think it was just a, it was like what they call B-roll, you know, it was mm. just kind of in between something or just before the mass would begin. Right. It was just brief clip. Right. Right. And I think it showed the, I think it was actually um, the, 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 the gold of the altar up at the, at the shrine, at the, of the shrine of the Blessed Sacrament. Um, but that, that image of this thurible and the incense and the music um, and even though that clip was just shown very briefly each day before the mass would begin, it like, it, it really moved me. Mm. And, um, and other, I mean, watching Mother Angelica, Father, Father Mitch and, and other shows, um, you know, for, he, first is hearing the, the sung, um, the, the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, you know, that, that melody kind of mm -hmm. gets into your mind. Mm -hmm. These things, when I was, I was just a young man living on the North Shore of Boston and, you know, th my life was, the direction of my life was changing significantly because I had studied economics and I was Protestant. Now I was, all I was doing was reading Catholic things and, <laughs> and I was becoming Catholic and um, didn't know what I was going to do next. And EWTN was just a, such a great resource. And, um, and as I say, somebody handed me a copy of Magnificat too. Then I end up in Austria and I meet the Dominicans. I didn't know who the Dominicans were before that, you know. And then now I'm the editor of Magnificat and I'm like sitting at the end of him like, this is so strange. <laughs> so <laughs> I could never have predicted this. It's just, it's extraordinary. So, well, that, that opening of that mass you mentioned, that, I think that was done by Jody Copeland, who's he's the oldest, he's been, he's the oldest employee here. He, he actually, when Mother Angelica built the studio, they were working, they had a garage. And I think he was one of the guys working on that garage stuff and then was one of the guys working on the studio. Mm. And then she needed cameramen and stuff. So she asked him to stay and be one of the first employees. Mm. So he, he's got a real artistic ability. To Good. But, uh, no, it's as EWTN is a, is a, is a great um, feature of the, of the American Catholic church and and really and for the whole world now i mean it, it, yeah. it i think it has helped so many people yeah. you know and i i think just you know just i guess we can close on this but i i think that is one thing america does well is like like these initiatives on evangelization and stuff and i don't know if it's because we have more kind of wealth and things to fund such things but our kind of the american spirit that's baptized you know to, hey, to start a business and do something and you got the freedom to do it, but it's because I, I think that's fed the network well. You know, we just have a constant stream of people that are doing things for the Lord. You know, mm. <laughs> come through here, and it's uh, it's just kind of fitting. It's in America, you know. I think, but um, well, thanks so much, Father Sebastian, for chatting with us. You're very, very welcome, and thanks for having me on. It's, it was a great privilege. Mm -hmm.